And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Gladwell. Mike Chard is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte, skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. And I am joined yet again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the vice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Doug, thanks to you and your friend Mike Lieberthal for keeping the streets of Starkville vibrant and alive last week. While I was in Cooperstown, you probably didn't even notice I was gone, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Levy kept me company. It was a good reunion there. I, I did talk. I talked to him from time to time, but it was good to see him. The Levy man, Leapster, fall, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When I, if I ever spend like a month in Cooperstown, you could just change the name of the show to Liebeville or how would that work? Fallville. It would be fall. You got to go hardcore, you know, so <laughs> Fallville. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, you should know. There's still nothing quite like induction weekend in Cooperstown. It just, it's magical. All right. But uh, that's enough of that idle chit chat because I don't know if you've heard this, Doug, the trade deadline is now only hours away. And that's a sentence that gets the heart pounding of our very special guest this week. You know, Doug, I'm not sure if you've heard this rumor, but the trade deadline is only hours away. And that, my friend, is a sentence that gets the heart pounding of our very special guest this week. It is our friend Jim Bowden, a man who loves the trade deadline more than anyone I've ever known. Okay, So uh, I'm going to give the uh, the rundown of all of Jim's jobs. All right, You can read his indispensable deadline updates in The Athletic. You can hear him all over the radio on Sirius XM. Uh, he's fitting us in between his trade updates for CBS Sports Network streaming TV network. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> he's kind of busy right now. So, Jim, welcome back to Starkville. Um, is 24 hours a day is n- enough for you right now? Yeah, it's not. And it's <laughs> so much fun. You know, I love the trade deadline. I was a GM for 16 years in the big leagues and worked in front offices literally for a quarter of a century. And the trade deadline was the best time of year. You know, it really was. And it's a lot of fun because it's your last opportunity to improve your team for the season. Yeah. So in that role, I loved it. But I got to tell you, I love it in this role, too, 
because in this role, instead of representing one team, I'm actually representing all 30 teams. So I get the biggest kick out of texting with the 30 teams, their GMs, their presidents. I I, I love it. And I love all the trade rumors. I, I love the agents getting in the middle of this. So to me, it's just a lot of fun to watch the player movement. And this year has been no exception. Yeah, we thought this would be a slow market. Uh, it's been pretty action-packed so far with a lot to come. You know, uh, just to keep people informed on this, Jim has been making this annual visit to Starkville right before the deadline for, uh, was it, like three, four years now? It's a tradition like no other, Jim. Yeah, well, I had a lot of fun with uh, covering trade deadlines with you during our time together at ESPN. So I wanted to make sure that that continued. So I yeah. love being on Starkville with you and Doug Glanville. It's always a lot of fun, especially this time of year. Yeah, feel the same. Uh, here, okay, one more thing. Here's the deal. If your phone rings during the show, feel free to answer it. Uh, if your phone buzzes, <laughs> feel free to stop, return that text. I will do the same. Uh, Jim, have you ever had that happen while you were doing any show? Because I have. <laughs> Yeah, so I've always made sure my phone was off in terms of the buzzer and any kind of or you know verbal oral sound to affect television. You know, when I was a GM in Washington, I had an assistant named Tony Siegel. And every time I'd have a meeting, I would make sure everyone had their phones, their Androids or iPhones or back then Blackberry. I wanted to make sure they were all off and didn't ring. Well, there wasn't a meeting that Tony Siegel wasn't in where his phone rang. And I threatened to fire him, I think, every <laughs> single time, and it drove me crazy. So I learned very quickly what it, what the word respect means. And when you're doing a show like this, or you're doing a show on television or radio, you, you don't want that distraction. So mine is not on. I'm okay. going to give you full attention. And as soon as this show is over, uh, my phone will be buzzing. Well, I, you know, I know you remember this. We used to have this debate before those baseball tonight shows in Bristol. What like do we want the phones on or off? And I think we decided at one point just we're just gonna leave them on. Okay. And I know I was doing a baseball tonight show. It was a Saturday night before the deadline. It was like a midnight show. I'm on the set with Carl Ravitch and my phone rings during the show. He looks at it. I look at it. He said, go ahead answer it <laughs> so i did because like who else is calling us at 12 30 in the morning it was a good source of mine he was telling me his team was about to announce a trade so i said thanks by the way i'm on tv so i gotta go but then we broke the trade on the air so much fun and jason you you broke a bunch of trades on the air by the way and i think it really depends on your role Usually my role at ESPN or here is normally analyzing the moves rather than breaking the stories where you are breaking the stories. But I will say one of my highlights, and this was winter meetings, not trade deadline, is I broke the John Lester story signing oh, right. with the Chicago Cubs while I was on set. Uh, Aaron mm -hmm. Boone was there, Carl Ravitch, the late Pedro Gomez was there. And that was really a highlight of mine. It wasn't intended but while I'm on air, I got a text and said, Lester's going to the Cubs. And I, I got to break it right on live TV. That was pretty cool. Tremendous. Doug? Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, this time of year, I'm just thinking the players. And you're like, wait a minute, am I moving? I'm about to get a new address? Uh, you know, it's it's, 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 it's hey, totally it's, wild. And Doug, isn't it true uh, that players sometimes find out about these trades from watching people like us? Well, it's so different. I, well, I thought the Kevin Euclid one of those years 
that was like a turning point because he clearly didn't know. It seemed, you know, it seemed like, you know, the information now, you, you don't have that direct, okay, you're hoping your agent tells you or you might have an idea, but the speed of information is so, uh, and, and it's also so quick, but it's also so spread out, right? So any source and whether it's believable, you're not sure, and then you're like, I might be traded. I can't imagine managing all the rumors and all the possibilities from the, the possible amounts of sources verified or not out there and try to keep a straight face or, or your own sanity, especially when you have your family with you and you're moving back. So I imagine this is a, also a stressful time for players as much as it is like, you know, the curiosity of what your team's going to do. Yeah. We, we could, we could tell these stories all day long. Adam Dunn, I remember telling me once he used to keep a, a packed suitcase by the door. <laughs> just in case he had to go right and his wife did not keep her suitcase by the door <laughs> by the way that, again we digress uh, why don't we get down to some trade talks there's just so much going on um definitely want to talk about some of the stuff that's already happened but i think first we should preview what's about to happen um jim let's start with justin verlander okay ken rosenthal wrote last night there's a lot of buzz about verlander to the dodgers what are you hearing on that front yeah, first of all, I think it's highly unlikely that Verlander gets traded. So I'm going to start with that. I think this is really complicated. Verlander really wanted to pitch in New York. Um, his wife, Kate Upton, and the family really felt like it was the best spot. Uh, he also wants to win. Now, Verlander came out yesterday after his start, and he said very clearly he wants to stay a Met and bring a championship there as long as they want to try to win in 2024. If they're going to completely rebuild, then he will consider a trade. Now, Billy Epler and Steve Cohen came out and said they're planning on winning in 2024 and beyond, and that this is not a fire sale, but it was an opportunity to make a good trade, and they're going to make some more trades, but they want to reboot and get back in this next year. And there's a lot of free agent pitchers out there that they could replace Scherzer with, guys like Aaron Nola of the Philadelphia Phillies. They could make a run at Shohei Otani. So it's a pretty easy pathway to jump back in while rebuilding your farm system at this trade deadline. So that's something to keep in mind. He's got a complete no trade clause, which means he determines where he goes. But here is the, here's the factor that makes you all pump your brakes. He's got a $35 million vesting option for 2025. So he gets 43.3 million this year, 43.3 million next year. And a vesting option at $35 million in, 20, in 2025 that vests automatically if he only pitches 140 innings next year, which is very reasonable. That contract takes him out of Baltimore, takes him out of Arizona, takes him out of Cincinnati, and it also takes him out of Houston. So the only spot that's left is the Dodgers. So to me, it's Dodgers or bust. Now, watching the Dodgers' actions... They didn't bring back Trey Turner, and they've been very careful in not adding a lot of payroll on a team that has a lot of weaknesses, but they really haven't done that much. They bring in Ahmed Rosario and KK Hernandez and Lance Lynn and, you know, a few moves like that, Joe Kelly, but none of that moves the needle for me. He had some depth, some veteran depth, I get it, but it doesn't really make your team that much better. Now, Verlander would, but it seems to me based on knowing Andrew Friedman, the president, and knowing Steve uh, Stan Kasten, his boss, it doesn't seem to me they would take on Verlander's contract unless the Mets did what they did with Scherzer 
and pay most of it down because I think this offseason they do want to make a run for Shohei Otani. And I'm not sure if you're agreeing to pay $43 million for Verlander that you're going to turn around and pay 55 or 60 a year for Shohei Otani. So my conclusion is it's highly unlikely. I do think if he gets traded, it's the Dodgers or bust. But I think it, I don't think he goes anywhere. Yeah. You know, here's you just brought up the money. I've been trying to do the math in my head. How much money would we expect Steve Cohen to pay of the Verlander money if the option vests? He'd have somewhere in the neighborhood of $94 million left on that deal. Um, how would like how would that even be handled, Jim, considering he can't pay money for toward an option that hasn't vested yet? Yeah. Well, you could agree that if the option vested, you would pay you could. 15 million of it. I mean, you 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 can do a contingent um deal like that. So you you can handle it. You know, the question is, what are you getting back? And by the way, when you get to that 2025 option, Verlander's 42 years old. And there's no guarantee he's going to be Tom Brady now. So let's, <laughs> let's all pump our brakes a little bit here. And it also depends on the return. Are you getting Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan back? Is the deal Michael Bush, Andy Pages, and Gavin Stone? Like, you got to tell me what the deal is before I can say how much you're going to pay for it. But here's the thing. The other thing you got to keep in mind. If you're going to tell the fans you're trying to win in 24, and then you're going to trade Verlander after trading Scherzer, are Mets fans even going to believe you? Like, I just find it just a really difficult path to make happen myself. I do. Not that I, I won't put it past the Dodgers and Mets finding a way to do it. I'll never put it past those two organizations. I'm just trying to put myself in Billy Epler's shoes and Andrew Friedman's shoes, and I just feel like it's going to be really difficult to make it work for the Dodgers financially and make it work for the Mets prospect wise. Well, you know, Jim, it just seemed like when they went and got Scherzer and Verlander, there had to be an element, you know, as a GM saying, these guys are old. I mean, they are old, you know, like the, you know, they're, they're great. And they won the Cy Young year, you know, year before, but is there an element that it, it was already transactional? Like, okay, I'm going to make this move. And it, it's going to go one way or the other, and then I can move them. I'm not even sure how many innings I'm going to get, which is why we let DeGrom walk. So, you know, what do you do as a GM knowing that you do have guys that are very much at the back, back end of their career with all this money and and then justify, like, you know, holding on to them just to hold on? I mean, yeah, Verlander, like you said, is the ace, but then he's also an ace at whatever, 40, whatever years old now at this point. Um, what is that? You know, is age just a number? I mean, age age is is important, but performance means more, right? I mean, I, I don't mind your age if you're still performing. Justin Verlander last five starts is three and one with a two hundred eight ERA. So you you're pitching like a Cy Young winner, like that's what I'm watching in your last five starts. The stuff is there. Now, looking at Max Scherzer, he's in decline. Spin rate's not the same. Finish of his pitches isn't the same. He's already been suspended for using sticky stuff. And, it, and it, you know, look, I still think he's solid. His experience matters, but I think he's more of a number three than he was a number one, where I think Verlander's still a number one. And, you know, if I'm the Mets and I had a ch chance to get Louis Anjo um, Acuna, I've got a young guy that may end up developing into a premier leadoff hitter that's going to steal me 50 bags and he's going to hit 300. 
that's a pretty special athlete in this day and age and potential. So for me, if I'm seeing that front office, I'm saying to myself, I'm 18 games behind Atlanta. There's no way I'm catching him now. I got a chance to grab a young, controllable, future all-star athlete. Uh, I get Scherzer off my books and I'll go back into free agency and I'll try to replace Scherzer with Nola or Otani and go back again, try to win next year. A lot of things didn't go well for the Mets, right? It started in the World Baseball Classic when their closer, Edwin Diaz, went down. And then all of a sudden, Jeff McNeil didn't hit. And then Starling Marte got old. And a lot of things just fell apart. That being said, at least they're giving Brett Beatty a chance to develop at third. Francisco Alvarez is showing he's the real deal behind the plate. Uh, we all know when Pete Alonso's healthy and he's had a wrist problem, but he's gotten back to hot again. We all know that when he's healthy, he's going to lead the league in home runs. That's how powerful he is. So you still have a lot of pieces, and this is a team that you can quickly rebuild and rebound. And dealing Scherzer, to me, makes sense for all the things we just talked about. Verlander's a little different because if you want to win in 24, I want Verlander on my rotation. I want him leading my rotation because I look at him and say to myself, you at least got one more year. I don't know what's going to happen in that 2025 vesting option year. I'm not smart enough to go down that path, but watching him and the way he takes care of himself, I would bet that he's going to be able to keep pitching at this level next year. I'm with you. One, one thing, uh, Scherzer's not really off the books. <laughs> they're, they're paying $36.6 <laughs> more million dollars of this plus the tax. So it's more than $70 million to have him play in Texas. It's amazing. Yeah, the but you've got a young prospect that. No, no I get that part. Star. So you do it because you would have paid Scherzer anyway. Right. Okay. Here's the other team that fascinates me, Jim, the Padres. Uh, there's been no harder team to figure all season than the Padres. I think that's still true, but they swept the Rangers over the weekend because of course they did. What do the Padres do? Who do they trade? Who do they keep? Or do they just buy? So Jason, this is a team that I've been very consistent on all year long, starting in March all the way to this day. And I've never wavered. This is a playoff team. That's what they are. And I'm sorry they haven't lived up to our expectations. Two games under 500. But keep in mind with this Padres team, they're third in the league in run differential behind only the Atlanta Braves and Los Angeles Dodgers. They are third in the National League in expected one-loss record behind only the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. All the underlying metrics say that this team has grossly underachieved. And that's what I believe. And I believe if they can just stand pat, this team is going to be a wild card team. Dodgers are going to win the division, but they're going to get in as a wild card team. I've never wavered off of that, no matter how many games under 500 they were. And you can ask AJ Preller that, the GM of the Padres, because I text him that all the time. In fact, I texted him yesterday and I said, happy Sunday. I look forward to covering you in October. And I believe <laughs> that and I'm not going to waver. And if I'm running that team, I am not going to sell. Okay. That's my opinion. Now let's get to the next part, which is what you and the listeners want, <laughs> which is what's going on. Okay. Starting last week, they told teams they will listen to offers on Josh Hader, Blake Snell, and even Juan Soto. So you got an offer? You want to make something? Call me, text me, whatever, email me. I don't care. Just go ahead. I'm open-minded. We'll look at everything. I don't know which way we're going to go. That's what they told teams. Okay. Now, five games out in the wild card. That's nothing. <laughs> This is Major League Baseball. How many games were the Phillies out last June? How many games were the Nationals out in 2019 in May? Now, I grew up in Boston. 
and the, the Red Sox sitting there with a 10 game lead that that went away. And then game 163 took place at Fenway Park with Bucky Dent hitting a three run homer. And I'm sitting there having to watch it crying in Kleenex as a child. You know, come on now. Five games is nothing. Wake up. A lot of baseball to be played. We've only played 100 and some games. That's it. Come on. A lot of games left. Okay. So let me tell you what happens. If you trade Josh Hader to Houston for Drew Gilbert and Jaime Melendez, or if you trade Blake Snell to the Orioles for Heston Kerstat and D.L. Hall, let me tell you what happens. Okay? Your season's done. It's a white flag. You've been selling out. You just broke the record yesterday. Consecutive sellouts for the San Diego Padres. The place packed as they swept the Rangers, who a lot of people argue one of the best teams in the American League that might even get to the World Series. They swept them. That's what they did at home. Sellout crap. So what happened last year when Milwaukee traded Hater? Season was over. Bye-bye. The Phillies got in because of it and ended up getting to the World Series because Milwaukee, like dum-dums, traded Hater. That's what happened. So you want to trade Snell to the Orioles or Hater the Astros. The offers are there for you. I get it. And if you want to do it because he's an impending free agent and you want to reboot for next year, okay, that's fine. But then why'd you trade for Soto? Because you told me when you traded for Soto last year that you were getting three postseasons of Juan Soto with Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. and, and now Xander Bogarts. And now all of a sudden, because things got a little rough in the first half of a season, now all of a sudden you're going to sell? You just went all in. You gave Xander Bogarts one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. <laughs> and now you're going to sit there and sell your pitching? No, 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 you're not. You know, the, the context of this is so important because you just you just outlined it. When you look at the dollars that they've committed to their payroll, to their players, to their core group, they're not just committed to trying to get there this year. They're, they're committed to paying what it takes to get there this year and beyond. And so the context of, of giving up on even one of those years doesn't add up to me. And I, I guess my question is, wh why is he listening then if that's what he thinks in his heart and uh, or what's what he feels in his heart? I think AJ likes the action. I think he likes to be in on everything and know whether what the options are, buy, sell, both, neither. Am I am I reading him right? I think you're reading him right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna respond this way. If a GM doesn't listen to any offer on any player, they should be fired and replaced immediately. I never had an intention of trading Barry Larkin or Ryan Zimmerman or Ken Griffey Jr. I listened to anybody that called. And if Seattle hadn't listened to me for 216 phone calls, I never <laughs> would have gotten Ken Griffey Jr. It took a change in GMs from Woody Woodward to Pat Gillick, but if I didn't keep calling and they didn't keep listening, I would never have gotten them. And the thing you gotta do, you have to, you, you do Dylan's when you're a GM, right? You're the steward to a storied franchise, because all 30 are storied franchise to me. You're the steward of it. You have a responsibility, short-term and long-term. You know, I always tell people, you know, do you want to sell your house? And they go, no. How much is your house worth? Someone says 300000 <laughs> I give you a million, you sell it? Yeah, yeah, of course. We all have a price. So I'll listen on everything. You know, I get a big kick out of the Pirates are listening on Mitch Keller. 
what do you think he's going to do? Not listen? I mean, Mitch Keller may be an all-star, but Mitch Keller's Mitch Keller. You want to offer me more? I'll listen to you. I'll listen on anybody because that's how you get better. If somebody wants to make a dumb, dumb trade, if somebody (laughs) wants to overpay because they're obsessed with one of my players, my job is to do what's best for the franchise, short-term, long-term. So I'm always going to listen on every single player. And if a GM doesn't, again, replace him. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, did, did you ever have a trade, Jim, where, where like quietly it was going to go through and, and you were kind of laughing? Like, I can't believe I'm getting this guy. <laughs> did you have anything like that? Not, not, of course, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus. but <laughs> No, I mean, look, I, I'm re- respectful to who yeah. I've dealt with. But yeah, a lot of times there's a deal where, you know, I'm getting the best of the deal. And it wasn't always just because you know, we're outsmarting them or out contracting them. A lot of times it's because of the circumstances. Uh, For example, I'll use the Ken Griffey Jr. trade. Um, Seattle at the time didn't really get fair compensation back, but they didn't have a choice because Ken Griffey Jr. had a full no trade clause and he would only approve a trade to Cincinnati. So as much as they tried to use the Mets as leverage and other teams, we sat there knowing, hey, we'll give you a, a, a good return but we're not going to give you what we normally would because we know you have two choices, keep him or trade him to us. And he wants out and you've already told them that you'll move him. So I have all the leverage. And it's just like Verlander. If I'm sitting there at Andrew Friedman right now and I'm engaged in acquiring Justin Verlander, I basically know he controls it and, and he may approve the Dodgers, right? He picked the Mets over the Dodgers, by the way, but he might approve the Dodgers, but I know you, you can't send him the ball. The more he's not going. He's not going back to Houston after the owner wouldn't make an offer when he brought him a world championship. He's not going back there. So where are you going to send them? Cincinnati's not going to take the money. Arizona's not going to take the money. You know? So where are you going to send them? You only have one place to send them. It's me. So you think you're going to get Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan <laughs> and, and Dalton Rushing and Diego Cartea? <laughs> no, you're not. But I'm not going to laugh publicly. Behind the scenes, I might smile if I pull it off. <laughs> Hey, Jim, you know what else is interesting? Uh, Almost every significant trade so far has been for pitching, right? We had Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone traded from the Rockies to the Angels. A couple of other minor deals for position players. That has got to change. Who who do you think are the two or three biggest bats? All right. First of all, you started to go there, so now I've got to jump in. The Los Angeles Angels are having one of the worst trade deadlines I've ever covered. I can't even believe 
what they're doing. They have traded three of their top 10 prospects and a top 30 prospect to land Lucas Giolito, an impending free agent with a 370 RA, CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick, who are role players outside of Colorado and Coors Field, for three of your top 10 prospects on, on what is not a deep farm system because you think you're good enough to make the playoffs and you think you're going to be able to re-sign Shohei Otani? This is a nightmare for the Angels. They're setting their franchise back four years for what they've decided to do over the last 10 days. This is awful. You could have traded Otani for eight prospects and rebuilt your system and then tried to sign Otani back with the argument that we just got our organization way better. Instead, Otani's get to get to free agency. You're not going to make the playoffs. You're going to have a bunch of free agents walking, and now you've had no farm system because you traded away for Chialito, Crone, and Gritchick. This has been horrible. Okay, now I, I've got to jump. Okay, hold on. Well, let's well, let's circle back to this. I want to talk about the Angels, so let's just do it. How much of that is Artie Moreno, and how much is Perry Minasi? Well, first of all, it's always the owners. Their team. It's always the owner. Artie Moreno is a smart guy. A GM is like an agent to a player. That's all they are. <laughs> Everybody wants to make GMs being these most powerful executives. Look, the, some of them are. Some owners literally turn it over to the GMs, but most don't. Artie Moreno badgers his GMs. Ask every former GM that's ever worked for him. Um, he's involved in everything, in the day-to-day -day operations. Um, this is his call. And he wants to be in a pennant race and he wants to keep Otani in the worst way. And he thinks this is the best way to go. Perry Manassian is trying to keep his jobs. He knows that Jerry DePoto is not there and Tony Regans isn't there and the <laughs> base isn't there. He knows he's got a short timeline. He also knows if he doesn't have Otani and doesn't win this year, where's he going to be? He'll be an assistant probably in Atlanta. So he's doing what his owner wants and I hope it works for him. I do. I like Perry a lot, and I'm rooting for the Angels, and I'm I'm rooting for me to be wrong. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that because I I feel like there are a lot of people out there who are actually rooting for them not to make the playoffs. Look, their odds are low, fifteen point eight percent on Fangraphs as we speak. On the opposite. I want this to happen. What would be more must-see in October than Shohei in the playoffs starting game one? I'm guessing in prime time. Well, you'll see it next year for the Dodgers or Mariners, but you're not going to see it this year for the <laughs> Now, I want to address your other issue because you yeah, talked sure. about all the pitchers that are being moved in these trades. And this is where I need to go. And I was talking to Doug before you jumped on off the air. And I said to Doug, one of the most amazing things, the Texas Rangers so far have absolutely won the trade deadline, trading for Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. And the reason they won isn't just because they've added two premium starting pitchers on a, for a first-place team that has a two-game lead over Houston. But the reason that they've won is because they didn't include any of their top pitching prospects in either trade. That, to me... You didn't have to trade Owen White or Jack Leiter or Evan Carter, even Kumar Rocker, who had the Tommy John surgery. You didn't have to trade any of them to get these two pitchers. 
That is remarkable. And Chris Young has done such a phenomenal job since taking over in what is really an old school strategy. He came in and the first thing he did was hire Bruce Bochy as manager, who's a future Hall of Fame manager, who we all got to witness winning three world championships in San Francisco. Then he went to get DeGrom, it backfired. He got Avaldi, it worked. He brought back Martin Perez. He got John Gray. He got Andrew Haney. Now he's gotten Max Scherzer. Now he's gotten Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> he is spanking all these other teams. Where's Baltimore? Where's Cincinnati? Where's Arizona? Where's all these other teams that need a starter? Where are the Dodgers? And he has just come in and look, great leadership skills. Um, he's a winner and he's doing everything right and he's spanking the competition. I've been so impressed. But to be able to get those two pitchers and trade none of your top four or five starting pitchers in the minor leagues, that is unconscionable. Jim, I'm, I'm curious about the landscape of the sport, like the structure of the playoffs versus the strategy that you employ. So you add a couple wild card teams, for example. How much does that change your math? Because, okay, all of a sudden you have you know more buyers, maybe more teams are in it. Uh, you know, how do you see how that plays out? Because really, there's about 22 teams that are probably in it at this point. How do you assess? Okay, I'm I'm going to continue to I'm going to be a buyer. I'm going to be a seller, and how how far to push? Uh, you saw the Mariners like, hey, we just got to get in, right? The the Angels are acting that way. We just got to get in. I don't care just to say we got in. Is that an overrated goal? It's not, and it's great for baseball because we've all wanted this. We all wanted parity. We wanted every city to feel like they have a chance for the postseason. And it's going to affect the trade deadline. This trade deadline won't be as sexy as I usually like it to be. Um, but I'm okay with that because the trade-off is so good. I didn't look at the standings this morning, but I can tell you last week when this all started, 23 of the 30 teams were in seven, within seven games of the playoffs. That, that you can't ask for anything more if you're a baseball fan. The games are shorter they're more athletic they're more fun uh it's been absolutely incredible now in terms of the sellers there's only a few real sellers right now and the problem is the sellers don't have a lot to trade washington nationals are going to move jamer candelario um and they're going to move kyle finnegan for sure i don't know if the left fielder uh, logan thomas gets thomas. Traded. yeah i i don't know uh if joey manessis is going to get moved um, but you know, you look at the Detroit Tigers, they have Eduardo Rodriguez and Mike Lorenzo and probably both get moved. Maybe Alex Lang does. Um, you look over at the Colorado Rockies, you know, they traded Crone and Gritchick doesn't really move the needle for me, but they're trying to move. Oakland's going to probably move Brent Rooker and Trevor May either probably to Texas would be my guess is where, where they're going to end up. Um, so Kansas city moved Nikki Lopez. Gee, congrats. They may move Scott Barlow to Atlanta. We'll have to wait and see. But there's just not a lot from the sellers. So you're going to look at maybe some buyer for buyer sales. Now, the other thing, and this is this is kind of, I think, where you're getting. You mentioned Seattle. I talked to Jerry Depoto, the president of the Mariners, yesterday, and he said, we're going to probably buy and sell. And I said, well, is Teoscar Hernandez going to be a Mariner on Wednesday? He goes, I don't know that. I don't know yet. <laughs> Wait, because, you know, what, what these teams are doing is the guys that are free agents, they're willing to trade if they can make a good trade. And so Seattle will trade him. They'll trade Ty France too, by the way. They'll listen on him, believe it or not. 
they know they need to add more on base percentage um, and they need more contact in their lineup and they're going to work hard to do that, whether it's at the deadline now or in the off season, but that's something that they're definitely going to have to do. Uh, but Minnesota twins are in first place. They're shopping Sonny Gray and Kenta Maeda. They're in first place. They're both free agents. So uh, let's see what we can get in return. We'll do a buyer for buyer trade if somebody wants to. Uh, the Marlins and Yankees are talking about a Glaber Torres for Edward Cabrera trade, a buyer for buyer trade. Like we have all these concepts being thrown everywhere, which to me is fun. It's different, but I like the fact, I don't know how you two feel. I like the fact we have this many teams in a pennant race. Yeah. You know, you use the uh, term opportunity uh, a little while back. And I think that's how increasingly I find modern front office thinkers look at the deadline. It's one of those times in the year when you have an opportunity to address your team. So think creatively. You don't have to fit in the buy column or the sell column. There's all kinds of opportunities to do a little of both, right? So there, there is that. And, and yet, Jim, you know, you touched on this too earlier. Think about all the buyers, buyers who haven't done anything of significance yet. Orioles, Rays, Astros, Brewers, Giants, Phillies, Reds, Yankees. Give me a couple of teams that you think are still going to shake up this market. Well, let's talk about the why, right? Because you mentioned all those teams. And so we need to get to the why haven't they? And it's simple because the Cubs and the Padres screwed it up. They did. Because they all started winning and they screwed it up because Bellinger and Stroman were guys that could have been traded. And Bellinger had a chance to be the best bat moved. Stroman had a chance to be the best pitcher moved. And then all of a sudden they won nine in a row and they took them off the market. And now they're buying and not selling. They're, they're going to try to go get a reliever and another bat. So, so everybody was kind of waiting for that. Same thing with the Padres. Oh, maybe I get Blake Snell. Ooh, maybe, maybe I get Josh Hader. Ooh, well, I want to hold off on Scott Barlow if I can get Hader. I, I want to hold off on Jack Flaherty if I can get Blake Snell. So, you know, so that kind of happened. And then we're waiting on Scott Harris and the Tigers to move Eduardo Rodriguez and Mike Lorenzen who are the realistic um, landing spots for Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Arizona. And they're waiting for them to get the offer they want. So, you know, some of this is a domino issue, but a lot of it has to do with what looked like two teams that were going to be sellers with maybe the best talent that could have been available to all of a sudden those teams became buyers. Those guys came off the market and that's where things got tricky and that's why there's a lot of clubs with nothing. And by the way, there's not a, a lot left for the teams that you mentioned. Now, let's take the Phillies, right? You cover the Phillies on a regular basis your entire life. I, I always call you Jason Philly Stark. You know, <laughs> they'd love to get a left fielder. They'd love to be able to go get another starting pitcher. But look at the marketplace. I mean, yeah. there's just not a lot there. We'll still see moves. Teams will still do things. But the Cubs and the Padres really took off some key <laughs> players in this trade market. Do, do we know for sure Marcus Stroman isn't going to get traded? Uh, the Jesse Rogers report over the weekend was Cody Bellinger off the market. Uh, there was no report that said Marcus Stroman was off the market. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so in the buy sell in the buy sell mode, isn't that still possible? Uh, not from what I'm hearing. Okay. So look, I can I can be. 
things change. I've lived through a lot of deadlines. Players that aren't available Sunday and aren't available Monday can be available at six o'clock Tuesday. That happens. You know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with Dana Brown, the GM of the Houston Astros yesterday. And I, and I asked Dana, I said, you know, are you in on Verlander? Cause I had heard Verlander to Houston rumors. He said, I'm not in the market for a starting pitcher. Right. I'm in the market for a reliever. And then he said, but you never know on Tuesday, if I don't get the reliever, I may get a starter and put the starter in the bullpen. <laughs> right. That's the point is teams will pivot. Um, look, if you want to put the right offer in for most players in baseball, they'll be available. I'm being told the Cubs are buying, and I'm I'm being told Stroman and Bellinger are staying. But I'm not going to sit there and tell you that if somebody walked into Jed Hoyer and said, we'll give you this young starter and this young third baseman, I'm not going to tell you that he wouldn't change course and make the deal if it's put in front of him. But what I'm being told is the owner of the Cubs – wants to win and they're four games out and he thinks they can win and he wants to buy and not sell. I don't know how you trade Stroman and have as good a chance to make the playoffs as you do with him. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about the Phillies run last year and the way it ultimately was framed is that all along they were kind of built to be a good playoff team. You know, whether they kind of stumbled along their defense, I guess, who do you see, of these teams that are kind of like that or could be like that with one one or two moves? Cincinnati Reds, to me, are that. Um, this lineup is for real top to bottom. You know, you can talk about all these young hitters they have. They don't swing the balls out of the zone. They're top three in baseball in that category. Uh, you know, so th they have speed, they have power, and they hit good pitching. You're, you're going to score runs, and you can hit good pitchers. Right. So now the question becomes, is the starting pitching good enough? Well, I'll argue that Andrew Abbott's the best left-handed starter in the National League. <laughs> I'll take him against any left-hand starter in the National League you want to put up against him. That's how dominant he has been. Uh, when Hunter Green went down, he was he was lights out his last four or five starts, and they expect him back in two to three weeks. Mid-August, he's supposed to be back. Nick Lodolo, they hope, is back in September. But they need another starter. And, you know, they've gotten good starts. So you look at the last five or six starts for Graham Ashcraft or Ben Lively. They they pitch really well, but they need a veteran guy that's been there. Um, it doesn't have to be a superstar, but you give them a starter. And let's just say they get Flaherty and Flaherty pitches at his best. You sit there in the postseason and you run out there, Abbott, Green and Flaherty with an impact closer and Alexis Diaz and a lineup that hits good pitching. And you're sitting in a two out of three or a three out of five series, they absolutely can be a, a surprise shock team for me. Good call. Uh, mm -hmm. All right, Jim. So when you've been here the last couple of years, we've done something really fun. Before we let you go, threw a bunch of names at you, and you then would tell us what you think will happen with those players. You ever doing that again? Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Uh, these can be these can be quick. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez gets traded to the Baltimore Orioles from whence he came, right? Uh, Logan Gilbert, Teoscar Hernandez. Logan Gilbert stays. Teoscar Hernandez gets traded, but not to the Phillies. Uh, Paul Seawald in that equation anywhere? Uh, Paul Seawald goes with Hernandez wherever that shall be. Okay, and you think not the Phillies? Huh? That's that, that's 
That's one I've got on my radar screen. Let me, uh, let me tell you the problem that I have with Teoscar Hernandez is that he's not a good defender, and I don't think that solves the issue of letting Schwarber DH and, and Harper at first. Like, I think Bellinger would have been a good fit because he would have been a plus defender at first and left, and you could have taken Bellinger and Harper and Schwarber and mixed them all around. That would have been great. I just – the defense is not good with Teoscar, and he doesn't get on base. He does hit home runs. That's what he brings to the table. But a below-average defender that doesn't get on base, I'm not sure it's the right fit for this Phillies team myself. I, I would rather go get the Nationals' uh, Lane Thomas than I would get uh, Teoscar. Okay, we, we we could talk Phillies moves here for quite a while, but we're going to keep moving. Jack Flaherty, what happens to him? He gets traded. I'll put him with the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, that'd be a cool fit. Adam Duval. He stays in Boston, and I cannot convince Alex Anthopoulos to trade for him and let him platoon with Rosarian left, which is what I would do if I were him. But Alex likes the job that Kevin Pilar has done. If I were the Padres and I was A.J. Preller, I would trade for Duval and platoon him with Grisham in center. But I think Duval's too important to the Red Sox. They're in a race. I say he stays put. So you you have the Red Sox pretty much just buying, not doing any selling. Uh, they could go in between, but I I they're trying hard to get a starter. Uh, when you give me Mike Lorenzen's name, you'll hear the Red Sox again from me. Mike Lorenzen. Boston Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, I did hear his name. That's funny. Okay, uh, one one more most shocking name who could get traded that we haven't talked about. Yeah, I don't have that. I, I know it should be, though, okay? It should be Salvador Perez. He should be traded. And he's not going to be because the Royals have told me he's not going to be, and I believe them. <laughs> but I don't understand why. You know, 33 years old, you know, he's a below-average OPS plus guy. I know what he means to the pitching staff. I get it. He's a leader. He's a winner. He helps develop pitchers. He's important. He's the face of the franchise. You don't want him to go. But where are you going? You know, you're one of the worst two teams in baseball with Oakland. And how are you going to rebuild? You don't have the farm system coming to fix this. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami Marlins will offer you legitimate prospects to be able to help you rebuild. And for them, they would get a piece that would help get them into the playoffs. So you, you need you, to trade them. You need to shock us so we can all say, wow. But you're not going to. And I don't get it. Okay, um, I actually have a little different take on this. I talked about it on MLB Network the other day. I, I talked to somebody who is, is very tight with Salvi. And, he, you know, we talked about the Marlins. He lives in South Florida. He would approve a trade there. Their, their production at catcher is just about the worst in the sport. If it's not the worst in the sport, <laughs> how does that not happen unless the Marlins just don't want to take on the money? I, I actually think the Royals would be open to it because I, I just have this vibe that Salvi has told them he would go there. Well, I, I have been told they're not trading him. So I've been told that from people that make those decisions. So. Okay. I will be shocked if he is, but I am with you 100%. Salvador <laughs> Perez deserves to play his last few years in the big leagues on a contending team. And either Florida team works for him and upgrades that team. And I think he should be traded. 
And again, both Miami and Tampa have the farm systems to make it work. But they told me on Sunday he's not going anywhere. So I hope they surprise me and they pivot at 5.59 p.m. tomorrow because it would be a great story. Okay, if Jim Bowden and I were in charge, this would happen, okay? But we're it's been proven we're never in charge, okay? But nonetheless, Jim Bowden must read this time of year. You know where you can read them, folks? In The Athletic. Uh, Jim, it's always special to have you here as we head for the end of July. Uh, this has become Starkville's greatest summer tradition. What do you think, yeah. Doug? Replacing food truck day? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. Like we'll, we'll make a park. We'll, we'll create a park. Uh, you don't need a statue. You already have a statue, so parks. Okay, yes. okay. We'll put the statue in the park. Jim, keep up the great work. Try to have a little deadline fun these next couple of days, will you? Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate having me on Starkville. Awesome, man. Thank Great you. to have you. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, it's that time again. It's time for listener trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Uh, Doug, I, I've noticed that when I'm gone, you just avoid the whole trivia scene completely. Is that a good look? It's out of respect. Just out of respect. Um, I don't want to get it right and you're not here. I want to share. Oh, in whoa. The- Thank you. So, Thank you. How selfless I, are you? Like, yes, we have to do it together. Yes. All right. Well, I am back <laughs> to try to get us out of this July losing streak. <laughs> According to the calendar, this is our last chance. Uh, I have no idea if this question is going to be the one we're about to find out. So I don't know. uh, So this week's question comes from a guy who bills himself uh, as J dub the gamer on the site, formerly known as Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. I regret to announce that J dub, whose real name is John white has a scheduled conflict, cannot join us live. So we're going to turn to the mayor of Starkville. Tim McMaster, 
to deliver this question. Tim, are you ready for this awesome responsibility? I know it's been a while since I had to do this, and and I'm the one who tries to get the trivia askers on, so I feel like I've I've let you guys down a little bit. But here we go. <laughs> you just you're just trying to get more airtime. I know. Yeah, there you go. Uh, from right, John White, which active MLB player has been ejected from the most games? <laughs> I, I got to laugh out of this question. Um, okay, so when J Dub posted this question. Yeah, uh, on Twitter or X or whatever it is this morning, um, he put asterisks around the word "active." Yeah, right. So I, don't I know what that I, was I, about. Yeah, I messaged him to to make sure. Like, what did what did he mean there? Did he mean the guy might not really be active, or he was right. officially active, or that he was just emphasizing that he was active? <laughs> so he told me he right. wanted to make it clear this was a currently active player on a current right. major league roster. Got it? Okay. All right. Okay. So Active injection no, no injured list? I mean, injured list. Yeah, no trickery. No trickery. It's I don't think there's any trickery. Right. right. Okay, so All right. I, I know we're just mostly going to throw darts, but I yeah. do have one educated guess. I remember, mm. I don't remember if this was last year, the year before, whatever, but I did this note on Bryce Harper having the longest streak of seasons with an ejection of any active player. So like I am tempted to just guess him, but we we should probably at least think through whether we have other options. So I I couldn't even figure out how to process this question. Do we think about players who have a temper? Gosh, Donaldson thought about him. Max Scherzer has had a few moments, right? So I um, thought about him. Um, then I, the other thing I thought about, is there a pitcher who is always getting tossed for throwing at hitters that I'm not thinking about? Um, this guy, J-Dub, he's clearly a, a Cubs fan, says that in his ex-bio, Twitter bio. So is there some Cub or former Cub? These are the categories, but I, I've only got <laughs> really one name. Doug, what do you got on your list? <laughs> I mean, by far, number one on my list is Bryce Harper. Okay. So, okay. Cause I mean, he, he got tossed all the time. It seemed like, I mean, I know a lot of Wednesday games we did Sunday games. <laughs> I mean, he was getting tossed. I mean, he just, he got, there's a kinder, gentler, mature Harper now. And it's cool to see he's, he's uh, come a great ambassador. He's such a knowledgeable guy in the game. Uh, it's really the trajectory of his career is is fantastic. Uh, he chose to kind of evolve into someone else, and that is uh, really it's it's cool. It's cool, and you yeah. know that young coming up, I can't imagine. So that's that's my first answer, pretty much my bottom line answer. But yeah, I thought about Josh Donaldson definitely. I had like you know Manny Machado. He had a couple times, you know, ran into you know things like that. Um, Maybe some catchers, because catchers, you know, they're right there. They argue, <laughs> yeah, they get true. tossed, you know. I thought about that, but I'm not sure how many. And a pitcher, if you're like a Scherzer, you pitch once every five days. Yeah, you probably got injected a couple times, but after a while, you don't want to, like, have a three-inning start because of your temper. So it seemed like you wouldn't have matched someone who's an everyday player. Uh, I tried to think of, you know, guys who got tossed from the bench. You know, that's happened a few times. But I, I just have to go with Bryce Harper. I mean... I mean, I know it's been slow lately. You know, that's the He's good news. He's been ejected this year. 
Yeah, yeah, but how many times? That's yeah, I, guess get, well, I mean, to keep the streak going, he only has to get ejected once. He missed oh, okay, a little yeah, time. Yeah. You know, he had a Tommy John surgery excuse. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I think we agree on this. We don't usually yeah, agree, I, but I, I don't, don't, like, yeah. let's just let's just do it. Let's just guess that. It's, it's a great answer regardless. So. Yeah, exactly. We won't look <laughs> stupid if we do. So, Tim, is there any chance that we unanimously have this right? And it's Bryce Harper. You got it. Absolutely. Not only is he the active leader in actual ejections, but he also leads, I think, all time in ejections per game. <laughs> the rate of ejection. So the rate, yes, the, the ejection rate for Bryce Harper. He did a few years ago. I'm not sure if he still leads that, but he had a sizable lead. So right. And he hasn't he been he's been ejected every season of his career, right? Think yeah. how hard that is. Okay. So like it's so bizarre. Like I don't I, this just came into my head. I don't I don't know how I knew it, but I'm glad I did because this was another one of those questions. We could not employ any of the nefarious Glanville <laughs> cheating scandals still got it right. Oh yeah, that, no, I felt good about this one. Just, I just, I, I did too many games where he literally got ejected in the game I was calling. I was like, no, come on, no. <laughs> I mean, that's just. And I try to think of sports centers and baseball tonight's of players getting tossed, like maybe Joey Votto or something. But it was just Harper was continuously kicked out of the game. Yeah. So, when I was researching uh, was, the yeah. answer, trying to confirm the answer, I was going through. Um, x or twitter whatever it is and yeah. i stumbled upon a jason stark tweet from like 2020 about this and this thing so i was like oh wow. well he if jason tweeted about it three years I, ago i feel I, like I, there's a pretty good chance he's going to get this right. yeah i told I you I, I i knew i had a note about it yeah. um here's the thing though we barely even care anymore if we get the questions <laughs> right or wrong all we're really trying to do here is set up the part of the segment where we bring in the mayor mayor tim to play a classic play-by-play clip involving this week's answer. But I, I was wondering, Tim, like, did you find uh, an epic Bryce Harper ejection, ejection clip? <laughs> if not, you should play like some old Earl Weaver ejection. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it was sort of ejection. A montage of ejections. <laughs> hey, right. I don't know if it's epic, but it's this year. So I figured that okay, was good. To, to prove that. This just keeps happening, despite, as Doug said, Bryce being a gentler, happier player in Philadelphia. Yeah. He's still uh, I feel like this makes Philadelphia Phillies fans happy, right? They I mean, the <laughs> angst of Phillies fans meshed with a player, best player on the team who gets ejected a lot. It's perfect. So anyway, here you go. Earlier this year uh, against the Colorado Rockies. Oh, now we got some trouble going. Well, uh, Bryce Harper's got to have to be held back. Jake Bird started saying something. Harper's not happy about it. He's pushing Diaz. Watch the elbow. JT's coming over as well. They're telling, yeah, Jake Bird must have said something as he was going off the fields. I mean, for somebody that threw more pitches out of the strike zone than in the strike zone, he's fortunate that he was able to get out of it without any problem. And now it looks like cooler heads have prevailed, but Harper is still red hot. He is hot. So is Schwarber. I like it, though, that the oh, Phillies love took umbrage with it. Look at Harper. The umpires are going to sort it out and decide who's still in this game and who's out of the game. <laughs> I would think Bird is out. I would think Bryce is probably out also. He was indeed. I love that Tom McCarthy um, called out Bird at the beginning of the call. Too, yeah, like, exactly. For not throwing strikes and getting out of the inning. The, the first line said it all. 
Uh-oh. See, enough, now we've got enough, some enough trouble kind of, going. <laughs> and that's kind of a good ejection because it's not, it wasn't him, like, getting mad at an umpire. It was him, like, defending his team. And so, you know, those ejections kind of different category. I mean, you know, like, you know, when Paul Berg got charged by Eddie Perez when we fought the Brave, I was on deck. So I had to get in the pile, you know. And, you know, and it could have easily just been, oh, I, I instigated because I ran into the pile. You could have gotten ejected on that. Those are those are ejections you have to accept because it's in defense of your team. <laughs> okay. Okay. So some ejections are acceptable. Some ejections are not acceptable. Didn't get this memo. Not acceptable, but um, he's not getting tossed because he's just got a bad call against him and he curses out the umpire. That's not he's getting ejected because he's getting going after a player on the other team and jawing at him and, and not, you know trying to defend his teammates. That's a different ejection. He's, it the, is. Best it's a different category. He's the best player on his team. <laughs> he, he got himself thrown out. Why, how is that ever a good idea? I don't say it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's very different than the Bryce Harper that was flipping off first base umpires and all. Like, that's a little different than, than like, someone who is just defending your team. Like, you can get ejected for leaving the bench and all kind of stuff. Uh, not necessarily because you're being reckless. You're just like, like if God charges them out, I have to be out there. I have to be out there. That's what you're supposed to do. Like I'm not saying it's mature. It's like that's a cu- cultural part of the game that might be ridiculous, but you are going to support your team. You're going to get involved. And sometimes stuff happens. I got tangled up with Oral Hershiser when Barry Bonds charged <laughs> Ricky Batalico. Like Two of all people, right? There. <laughs> but that that's what happened, you know? And if some umpire happened to be looking at us, might have gotten tossed. I mean, I already I got tossed in double A, as you know, but major leagues, I never got thrown out. But I would have every brawl we were in, I was on the field. Okay, <laughs> so that, just just saying. All right, yeah, you, know. you, you you said it yourself. It's a pretty ridiculous part of the culture. Okay, <laughs> but it is it is a thing. We got a trivia question out of it. We got a correct trivia answer out of it. J Dub, thank you. Please, please come back again sometime and join us in person. All right. And um, if you would like to be part of one of these trivia segments, we can tell you how to do that in just a few minutes. Strange but true. Here it comes. It is the eagerly awaited strange but true segment. And Doug, it's just amazing to me how often I'm spending that one weekend in Cooperstown and something happens that makes it onto this segment. Last year I was there and the Blue Jays scored 26 runs at Fenway. It, it, it Honestly, it happens every year and it happened again last weekend. Okay, so let's set this up. This was from uh, Brewers against Braves. This was the Saturday game and we had a really fun call up to the Brewers uh, Sal Freelick, uh, he's kind of a Dustin Pedroia clone. You got to watch this guy. He made his big league debut. Let's hear how that went. Bouncing ball the other way, backhanded by Riley. Tough play, and Sal Freelick, you've got your first major league hit. On the ground, hugging the line, a fair ball for Freelick. Freelick back to the track, at the wall, leaps and makes the catch. What a play. Welcome to the bigs. Freelick does it again. A jaw-dropping debut on defense. Goes the other way and smacks another base hit. 
Getting away from third is Winker, and Sal Freelich has tied this game. In the right field, it is caught by Acuna. Off from third, Adamas. Here comes the play at the plate. Brewers take the lead. Freelich delivers. It's 4-3 Milwaukee. So that went well. <laughs> okay, he went, he went three for three. He singled to tie the game in the sixth inning. You heard the sack fly to drive in the winning run in the eighth inning. He made two amazing catches of balls that had like a 600 hit probability. That was in the same <laughs> inning, by the way. I mean, that's amazing to, to do that first game. So I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a list of active players who never had a game like that. Just the that's the part at the plate I, the, to add the catches to it. We we didn't have catch probability back in the day, so I just did at least three at bats, a hit in every official at bat, game tying RBI in the sixth or later, go ahead RBI in the eighth or later. So that was the criteria. Here's right. some of the names of players I came up with who never have had one game like that in their careers. Just a sampling, Doug. Yeah. Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani. Mike Trout, <laughs> Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> Joey Votto, Mookie Betts. Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, <laughs> Nolan Arenado. And I could actually go on for like 300 names because we've all, there's only four active players who've ever had that game. Sal Freelich, Reese Hoskins, Zach Remillard, and Connor Wong. Three of them did it this year, right? But they didn't have the catches, too. So I just want you to think about that list I just spit out there. No games like that for all of those players, the biggest stars in the game. Sal Freelich had that game in the first game he ever played in the major leagues. Doug, do you think that's strange but true material? (laughs) It is strange, but true. And uh, it's a, it's also something I love about the game. Uh, and I think the, you know, the idea, well, there's a term that I always, there's a term that I always despise, and that is unlikely hero. I think it's completely a backhanded <laughs> compliment and an insult, quite frankly, to anybody who like put on uniform. And I say that because what we love about baseball is certainly, you know, these great players that we saw Hall of Fame induction, Scott Rowland. But when you're out there every day and you're covering it every day, you know how often these guys struggle, how often that they get beat. And on the flip side, there's players that may have very average, mediocre, short careers and have all had a moment like this, had a moment where they were just the best player on the field. Because probably somewhere in their life, high school, college, they were the best player on the field. I don't care if they're a 120 hitter this year. And and I think you forget at times, you know, when you, you think of the Hall of Fame or guys that they have a lot of bad games. And they also have guys that don't do as well that have a lot of great games, like incredible games. And and I sort of love to see that because, you know, you may not have it tomorrow. You may not even be up tomorrow. You might have a career-ending injury. And so it's great that we celebrate certainly the minutia, but part of that is – recognizing these diamonds in the roughs or or even these moments that actually happen, maybe not to that degree, because that's what's strange and true. But the fact that you see greatness in every single player on any given day, that's not the guy that's going into the Hall of Fame. 
because that is baseball. You know, these guys, you know, I did the other day, Orioles, Yankees, Higashioka, boom, three hits, home run, you know, not having a great statistical numbers or year or career, but in that game, he was one of the best players on the field. And in this case, this guy debuted as one of the best players on the field. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So you played over a thousand games in the big leagues. What's the closest you ever came to that game? Uh, I, I went five for hits. five one day. I did right, go t- five for five. Yeah, it's come up. T- also tie the game and, and win the game late. I don't know. I had a couple of walk-offs against the Marlins. Like it felt, I think it was in the same month or week. I, I, I struggled when I first got called up, not called up, but when I first made the Phillies team out of spring training. And when I, I was at like, you know, 180 or whatever. And then I think I got a couple of hits. I know I had a walk-off off Al- Alfonseca, one of their left-handed pitchers. So I had a good run of like walk-offs, but yeah, in the same game, game tying and then game winning. I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I certainly don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Might've been 99. I can't even think of it, but yeah, multiple hits and that I mean, I did, I probably had a couple of perfect days, but probably not that many. I mean, that's hard to do, man. It's <laughs> that's hard, hard to do. do. I, I just, again, just think how crazy that is. Doug Glanville, zero games like that. Sal Freelich, first game of his career, has that (laughs) game. Baseball is just amazing. Amazing. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read our fantastic one-of-a-kind trade deadline coverage in The Athletic. Here's how you can do that. If you go to theathletic.com slash baseball show and you're a new subscriber, you can sign up for a one-year subscription for just $1.99 a month. A month. Ooh. Ooh. I'm at it. But also remember, you too can be part of this podcast because every show we pick some fun listener trivia question. Then... That lucky listener gets to join us right here and prove once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong except questions about Bryce Harper's ejection streak. So if you would like to be one of those questioners, did I say that right? Uh, There's many ways now you can do that. You can email us at Starkville at theathletic.com. There's threads. I'm now putting out the call for trivia every week on threads. Uh, you can check out my Facebook fan page. We've got some excellent questions this year on that page. Or you can do what most people do if they can figure out what it is that happened to that site, formerly known as Twitter. Doug, do we still ask people to tweet at us or X at us? How does this work? Well, first, I'm inspired that at Starkville, we need a new logo. Okay, we need a new logo. Okay. Uh, I'm going to maybe like a Greek letter or a Chinese alphabet, something yeah, so I want a new logo for Starkville. We, we, we I'm do inspired need a map, by Twitter. which you owe me. Yeah, a map. Yeah, I'll get All a right. map. Yeah, with a oh, with a new logo. But yes. okay, well, if you want to X at us, how could yeah. someone X a question to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they can X me at Doug Glanville, just my name. I typically just use my name. So whatever it is, <laughs> X at a, a row Omega Cron Omicron. Uh, it is Doug Glanville. D O U G G L A N V I L L E. That's it. I don't even know what we're saying anymore, but I'm at Jason S T Jason with a Y J A Y S O N S T. 
I uh, still have to hashtag or X tag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Jim Bowden for the awesome deadline update. Thanks to John White for the great trivia question, which we nailed. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And Doug and I will see you next week on Starkville. Starkville. Do you Beautiful. like not have video where you are? Are you it's, just guessing? It sounded, it sounded great over here. It's just like the zoom delay, man, kills you every time.